complete war scenario because I'd read the books by the big boys, like the Club of Rome, where they outlined the idea that they came up with the idea of global warming and that man was an enemy to the planet. Therefore, there was a war between the planet and man. They said that would fit the bill to unite the whole world under a sort of top-heavy system of experts that would guide us and tell us what to do. This is what all this is about. All of this is about that. The changeover from what they called silly superstitious religion to a world run by experts and scientists. I'll be back with more on this very topic after these messages. through the matrix discussing the fact that the big boys often publish what they want to do with the world and where they want to take the world and what kind of society they want in the future right down to the the, the population numbers and figures in their ideal world they've got a big playhouse called the world and these guys used to play with dolls when they were young and they see the world as just a big doll's house where they can reorder things and rearrange things the way you know it should be nice and clean and tidy None of this sort of individual rights stuff that seems to be an awful problem for governments. But that's why they kicked it off with 9-11 on 2001. And everybody, everybody, I think the planet saw the two towers go down like any other uh, controlled demolition. I don't care what they say. I mean, you've seen this so many times with controlled demolitions on television that uh, this was unmistakable. Why would planes hitting high up, up above bring the whole lot down like that. We've heard all the nonsense, the nonsensical answers that's been given to the public. But the fact was, this was a must-be, a must-be to kick off the century, the century of change. Remember, they said themselves after Y2K, they said the real century doesn't start till 2001, not the year 2000. These guys are fanatical about dates and times and numbers. And last year, on September the 10th, in the Independent, in the science part of the paper, it says this. It says, this is their excuse, because people are asking so many questions, right? Scientists can finally explain why the Twin Towers collapsed on September the 11th, despite the temperature of the fires being well below the 1,500 degree centigrade melting point of the steel girders holding up the buildings. The discovery that unusual magnetic forces within the girders made them weak at temperatures of about 500 degrees centigrade explains the way the conspiracy theories that have spread like wildfire since the disaster. So here they are telling you that it only arose to about 500 degrees centigrade, but it would take 1,500 degrees centigrade to melt the steel girders. So they've come up with this, this new idea of, of magnetic uh, disturbances in the girders because of the low heat. Sergei Dudarev of the UK Atomic Energy Agency found that steel loses its strength above 500 centigrade because its molecules undergo a physical transition from one state to another due to magnetic fluctuations. The steel didn't melt, it just became soft. This is the excuse they're given. Like, steel's been around for an awful long time. They use it in big heavy howitzer guns on the battlefields and stuff like that. They fire very hot uh, projectiles through them and so on but they don't fall apart and melt do they but this is the excuse they give in the public it says 
It's an unusual state, and the temperatures in the Twin Towers were high enough to cause it because the thermal insulation was knocked off the girders through the impact with the aircraft. Well, well that doesn't explain the towers collapsing just like, like a deck of cards, does it? Because the fire was not all down through the building. But that's a rubbish that's been fed to the public as they desperately try to, to hold up this, this farce that a bunch of hijackers just you know, managed to fly an aircraft, a commercial aircraft. And they've never, never done it before, but they did it this time, and hit their targets. And, were, and it was all from a guy, a caveman, a caveman somewhere in Afghanistan who, who dreamed it up, supposedly. And the caveman just happens to belong to the Laden family, the business partners of the Bushes. What's the odds in that coming together in this planet of, what, the eight and a half billion people or something? What's the odds of that? And the Ben Laden uh, Bush family consortium build these towers. They build these bomb-proof structures. That's their main business project across the planet. They, they build all these things across the world to hold up to attacks from, well, things like bombs and planes going into them. You know, when the, the first practice went on at the Twin Towers before that, a few years before, when they had those little bombs going off there, they had to inspect both towers completely from top to bottom and refurbish parts and so on and reinforce parts. Guess who got the contract? It was the Leighton family and the Bush Leighton family got the contract to make that even more bomb-proof. What's the odds in that? What's the odds? It's impossible. This is contrived. So they, they jump at all these different silly theories to try to prove the point. Even though they shipped all the stuff off to China as fast as they could to get melted down. So that no one could examine it. Which makes me wonder how this guy got some metal to examine. But then truth doesn't matter when it comes to agendas, does it? And these are agendas. These truly are agendas. For a long time, we've had the same group at the top hammering away about the population. There's too many people, too many people. We had it from Prince Philip, who keeps opening his mouth about things that he knows nothing about. He's done that his whole life. And, and then we have the Optimum Population Trust backing up Prince Charles with the same stuff. Too many people, too many people, etc., etc. We have the Royal Institute of International Affairs. There's so many departments within it working on full-time projects. One of them is the coming food shortages. They've been working on this for 15 years. Every possible crisis that they're going to create, they're working on, you see. And this wonderful anti-terrorism war, supposedly, and I said, I said that too in 2001, this vague terrorism thing can cover anything and everything, and it does. And Bush apparently signed a, a deal back in 2006, which, which gives them complete authority to ground in, injecting people under anti-terrorism and bio-warfare, etc. So here it comes. You, you sit here and just wait for what you know is always coming when you follow their, their books, etc., and their publications. And this is from CNN.com. It says, military planning for possible H1N1 outbreak. I think this was from yesterday or last night. The 
The U.S. military wants to establish regional teams of military personnel to assist civilian authorities in the event of a significant outbreak of H1N1 virus this fall, according to Defense Department officials. This is astonishing. This is the first time in history that the scientists supposedly are just able to predict that this virus, which is, if it even exists, if it even exists, is going to mutate into a deadly killer in the fall. How on earth would they know that? Unless they're going to release something or simply use it as an excuse to pump something into our bodies, which of course they are. It's a toss-up which one you want to pick. Because according to all their own science and all their own knowledge, they can't predict when something's going to mutate. They can't do it. It's impossible. So how can they predict this is definitely going to mutate in the fall? Something's up and it stinks. It says the proposal is awaiting final approval from Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Now remember, I think it was last year, there was a bunch of troops came back, U.S. troops into the U.S., and they were going to be assigned to civilian oversight within the United States for possible, you know, terrorism and so on. It's the first time it was all the build-up to what they're really going to be doing when they bring them back. Going round the doors, holding you down and shooting you up with foreign particles and cells from humans and animals and stuff like that. It says the officials would not be identified because the proposal from the U.S. Northern Command's General Victor Runert has not been approved by the Secretary. The plan calls for military task forces to work in conjunction with the Federal Emergency Management Agency. There's no final decision on how the military effort would be manned, but one source said it would likely include personnel from all branches of the military. All branches, eh? It's yet to be determined how many troops would be needed and where they would come from the active duty or the National Guard and Reserve Forces. Civilian authorities would lead any relief effort in the event of a major outbreak, the official said. The military, as they would, this is the military, as they would for a natural disaster or, or other significant emergency situation, could provide support and fulfill any tasks that civilian authorities could not, such as air transport or testing of large numbers of viral samples from infected patients. Troops could test. As a first step, Gates is being asked to sign a so-called execution order. That sounds awful ominous, doesn't it? This is, this is in the CNN. A so-called execution order that would authorize the military to begin to conduct the detailed planning to execute the proposed plan. Orders to deploy actual forces would be reviewed later, depending on how much of a health threat the flu poses as fall, the officials said. Quite something, eh? And he's from Reuters. I call it Reuters because there's only two main agencies on the planet now that give you all your news. That's, 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 uh, and, and, and Reuters is one of them. Reuters, Reuters is owned by the Rothschild family. Gives everybody their news. The authorized version. And this one here is July the 29th, 2009. U.S. experts set rules for swine flu vaccines. Says U.S. securing vaccine supply ahead of immunizations. Pregnant women, health workers likely to get the first shots. 
CDC presumes vaccination to start mid-October. By the way, if I remember, and I, and I do put these links on my site at the end of the show for you to see for yourself, but I'll try and remember to put up a link. It was, I think it was about AIDS. That gives you a little peek inside the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. And what was astonishing, and you hear the guy saying this on the, on the video, he says, uh, if you look at these people here, they're all dressed in military uniform at the top. All the, the CDC is a military department. It's a military organization. Center for Disease Control. That's who will be running this. Back with more after this break. through the matrix going through an article from Reuters from July the 29th on the so-called swine flu says the US government has taken delivery of 20 million doses of a vaccine against new pandemic H1N1 swine flu and should be ready to start an immunization campaign in October officials said on Wednesday now number one the present swine flu as I say if it even exists to be honest with you um, is not the killer one yet so the, this, this flu vaccine is supposedly made on the existing one. That will not be the one they're predicting is going to come out. That will be different. It will have other genes in it. as a mutation, you see. But never mind the facts of the case. It says here, uh, vaccine advisors meeting in Atlanta may follow World Health Organization guidelines that put healthcare workers, pregnant women, and patients with asthma and diabetes at the front of the line to get vaccinated. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices may also examine ways to manage a complicated U.S. flu season with people getting seasonal influenza immunizations alongside swine flu vaccines. They want to give you about three shots here and make you a walking, you know, a walking carrier, basically. People don't realize you shed this stuff off, you know. These, are, these, are, these vaccines are not quite dead, and some people, too, they can be activated, and plus, every so many batches, they admit there's always a certain batch where they have live, live viruses in them. Robin Robinson of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services told the meeting the government has contracted to buy around 200 million doses of vaccine and that 20 million have been delivered. Dr. Anne Shuchat of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, she has a military organization and prevention, said it was still not clear and the vaccination could begin, but she told the meeting, we want people to plan as though we will be able to go in mid-October. Okay, so they want mid-October as a date. And when you scroll down, it tells you here that the first surveys of the, the testing, the human testing of this vaccine won't be ready until mid-September. So, and even that's nothing. You know, a few weeks of testing is nothing at all. It's, it's hopeless. So the H1N1 swine flu is now so widespread, this is amazing, that the World Health Organization has stopped counting individual cases. It's baloney. Because I've read articles here where even in Scotland, there would anyone with a sniffle or hay fever or, or, or an utter, utter neurotic listening to the news media uh, that had maybe a cough coming on or pretended, 
has been diagnosed as having swine flu without any swab tests or anything. That's what most of them have been doing. And when you ask anybody across the, the planet if they know anyone that's had swine flu, they'll say no. It seems that the whole pandemic is all in the ether world or in the media somewhere, the electronic ether world of computers and paper, paper newspapers. But they're really hyping up, aren't they? Five companies are making the H1N1 vaccine for the, for the U.S. market. AstraZeneca's uh, Medimmune Unit, Australia's CSL Limited, GlaxoSmithKline, the big one, and Novartis AG. Now, who, who are the, and Sanofi Aventis as well, of course, but, but who, who are the experts for these, these things, and, uh, even with medications and the vaccines? The experts are all the people who work for these companies, these corporations. Did you know that? And they also experts say that's who they're talking about, they're referring to. They all work for these corporations. That's what government takes on board. That's why often many of them get two paychecks, one from the government, one from the corporation they work for. Quite something, eh? Quite something. Then the London Evening Standard is interesting. This has this to say. Now remember, the World Health Organization has been pushing for years to get total authority for all health issues across the planet. That's their prime mandate under the United Nations. And they've even almost begged people to find more of the bird flu over the last few years because they had egg on their face when people were killing over in droves across the planet dying of bird flu. So now they're off the, the, the wall with this one, you see, hoping this one's going to be a real gore and give them some real authority and teeth for a change. And yet, here's your double speak. As they drive the world towards this with the pandemic declarations and red alerts and all that stuff, they're trying to give themselves a way out as well. It's so legalistic. And yeah, they do have banks of lawyers. All these departments have banks of lawyers, even at the United Nations. And PR managers, which is propaganda managers. Vaccine for swine flu may be unsafe, warns the World Health Organization. Here they are pushing it, right? But here's, their back, here's how they can get out of it if anybody brings it up in the future. It's the 27th of July. Plans to fast-track the swine flu vaccine in Britain came under fire from World Health Organization chiefs today. The Department of Health plans to make the vaccine available at least two months earlier than in America. Now, they haven't done human testing on this stuff, right? More than 132 million doses have been ordered with the first batch due to arrive next month. However, Dr. Keiji Fukuda, the World Health Organization's flu chief, a flu chief, today warned about the potential dangers of the untested vaccine. There are certain areas where you simply do not try to make any economies. One of the things which cannot be compromised is the safety of vaccines. The European Medicines Agency, the drug regulatory body for the, for the Economic Union, the Parliament in Britain, this, this monolith that rules Europe now, is accelerating the approved process for the vaccine without being tested. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
warped, and this is cutting through the matrix, trying to get through all the incredible confusion that's purposely put, put out there uh, to stampede people into just taking the flu and accepting it and don't think too much as they give you contradicting uh, information about it. You see, this is all a part of the technique of making you punch drunk so you'll just obey and comply and give up your own sensibilities. And reading from the Evening Standard here, it says here, the World Health Organization is putting out their, their warning that it's not tested yet, this vaccine, and that they're condemning Britain and other countries for going to go ahead with it regardless. You see, that's a way out for the World Health Organization that secretly wants this flu to emerge so they can become, for the first time, the true, uh, the true uh, again, uh, totalitarian body that they truly are. That's what they're set up to be. They're set up to be the ultimate health authority for the whole planet. And, and they want all governments to come to them on all issues. That's what the UN does. It makes you all sign treaties on all these different organizations within it or departments within it. But so far, they haven't had something real to contend with. The bird flu kind of fizzled out, and so along comes the pig to oblige it, and they've, they've jumped on in this one, you see. They're giving themselves a back door as well in case anything happens, which it will happen, there's no doubt about it. And what they say here is the European Medicines Agency, the drug regulatory body for the Economic Union Parliament, is accelerating the approval process for the vaccine, allowing firms and corporations to bypass large-scale human trials and instead test a vaccine based on bird flu that hasn't been proven on humans. Amazing. That's what hype and terror can do, you know. You just stick it in them. You should look at some of the, the, the videos up on Google to see how they make vaccines. It's quite amazing that there's anything but uh, science in it, you know, as, as they stir up all this uh, mush. Uh, once they, they basically put uh, creatures in blenders and stuff, after they've used them as incubators for, for diseases and, and just mush the stuff up. I mean, basically, that's it. Hocus pocus, you see. And they want to test this on people without even, or, or give it to people without testing at all. And all these other things are added to the vaccine to, to supposedly make it more potent or, or can be actually lethal. Some folk come down with shock with it, they close right down and die, just with the, with the additives to it. Adjuncts, they call them. It says countries including Britain, Greece, France, and Sweden plan to start using it as soon as it's cleared by this, but not, not, not by testing, just cleared by the Parliament. The Department of Health said it was extremely irresponsible to suggest Britain would use an unsafe vaccine, really. A spokesman said over 40,000 doses of the vaccine, which the swine flu vaccines are based on, have been given without any safety concerns. Well, that's true. They have been given without any safety concerns. <laughs> They've no concern at all, have they? And this vaccine they're putting out, it says, is one that's based on bird flu, not the swine flu. It says the plan comes amid growing public concern over the outbreak. If there's any concern in the public, it's purely media-created. It says a cruise ship packed with 160 British tourists and hit by swine flu was briefly impounded by Italian authorities. The Ruby Princess carrying 3,393, I like all these threes and multiples of passengers, and 1,196 crew docked in Venice and was surrounded by coast guards yesterday after a medical examination 
passengers except seven confirmed cases of H1N1 were allowed off the boats. They must have an awful fast way of testing it. An awfully awful fast way of testing it. But there you go. They, they all give themselves a, a way out, a disclaimer. And here's another site I'm going to put up. You should look into this site because it gives a lot of data to do with uh, vaccines and so on. And it's called Pandemic Flu Online. And it, it talks about the fast-track swine flu vaccine under fire, 28th of July, 2009. And, then, and there's a whole PDF for it, too. You can download on, on, on all this stuff. has been fast-tracked, etc. There's a letter uh, that was sent um, uh, to the, the government authorities by this institute, Institute of Science in Society, it's called. It says, Dear Dr. Joshua Shafstein, uh, uh, Ms. Christine Walsh and Professor Sir Liam Donaldson, I write on behalf of the Institute of Science and Society, a not-for-profit organization founded in 1999, dedicated to providing reliable and accessible scientific information to the public and to promoting social accountability and sustainability in science. We're very concerned over the stockpile of experimental vaccines that appear to be intended for mass vaccinations. Please allow me to submit the enclosed report, also pasted below which summarizes existing evidence on why mass vaccinations, especially of school children, should not be undertaken. The vaccines are likely to be ineffective, and the side effects worse than the disease they're supposed to prevent. The vaccines have not been fully tested for safety, and intended adjuvants include ingredients well known to be toxic. And that's it's signed to Dr. Wei Wan Ho, Director of Institute of Science and Society, that's in London, UK. So the swine flu outbreak occurred in Mexico and the United States in April 2009 spread rapidly and so on. So the new type A H1N1 influenza virus is unlike that that's been previously isolated. But then they go into the fact that even some of the top scientists have made comments in mainstream newspapers. I've read some on the air here that they believe um, that this was created in a laboratory because of the composition of the, the genes that were in it. That were actually come from a laboratory. Some think they've been released by accident. Some have even suggested it was a biowarfare weapon. This is what worries the public most is the mass vaccination programs governments are putting in place to combat the emerging pandemic, which could well be worse than the pandemic itself. The U.S. government is intending to vaccinate all children in September when school reopens and the country's vaccine watchdog National Vaccine Information Center has called on the Obama administration and all state governors to provide evidence that the move is necessary and safe, demanding strong mechanisms for vaccine safety, screening, recording, monitoring, reporting, and vaccine injury compensation. The U.S. Departments of Health and Homeland Security had declared a national public health emergency in April soon after the swine flu outbreak. And that's true. Right away, it was just a, oh, my God, we've got a pandemic here, you know. As a result, some schools were closed, people quarantined, and drug companies were given contracts worth $7 billion to make vaccines. It's not bad being in that business. You're given money by from a taxpayer. And then you sell the stuff that you make back to the government. These vaccines are being fast-tracked by the Food and Drugs Administration. That means they'll be only tested for a few weeks on several hundred children and adult, adult volunteers before being given to all school children this fall. Furthermore, under federal legislation, 
passed by Congress since 2001, an emergency use authorization allows drug companies, health officials, and anyone administering experimental vaccines to Americans during a declared public health emergency to be protected from liability if people get injured. U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Kathleen Sebelius has granted vaccine makers total legal immunity from any lawsuits that may result from any new swine flu vaccine, and some states may make the vaccination mandatory by law. And then it goes on about uh, demanding that parents be given written information about the vaccine benefits and risks. That's called consent. Yeah, the consent, or you say no. Uh, keeping a record of which vaccines the children get. And, and other, see, the thing is, too, uh, that there's always bad lots and everything, even if, this is a, even if this is a real vaccine. If it is a real vaccine. There's always bad lots in, in, in every uh, bunch that come through. And people come down awful, awful diseases, or they come down with death. And what they're saying here is that people are not, if they do this in schools and so on, who's going to record this? Who's going to record the batch numbers and who got the certain batches, etc., etc., etc.? Well, they don't want that recorded because they don't want anybody coming back later on and pointing to the company that made the stuff that made them sick or killed them. Uh, it goes on and on and on. There's, there's so much money, uh, information in this particular site. Let's see, pandemic flu online, and I'll put this link up for you to check out. There's a lot of stuff. There's PDFs you can download too, so that you can have, get some information and make your own minds up as to how you're going to respond to all of this. It's very important. And then from global research during the 10th, 2009. At least three U.S. federal laws should concern all Americans and suggest what may be becoming mandatory vaccinations for hyped, non-existent threats like H1N1 swine flu. Vaccines and drugs like Tamiflu endanger human health but are hugely profitable to drug company manufacturers. The Project BioShield Act of 2004 became law on July 21, 2004. That's S15 was called the bill to provide protection and countermeasures against chemical, rheological, or nuclear agents that may be used in terrorist attacks against the United States by giving the National Institutes of Health contracting flexibility. I love how lawyers word things. Infrastructure improvements and expediting the scientific peer review process and streamlining the Food and Drug Administration's approval process of countermeasures. In other words, the FDA may now recklessly approve inadequately tested, potentially dangerous vaccines and other drugs if ever the Secretaries of Health and Human Services or Defense Department declare a national emergency, whether or not one exists, and regardless of whether treatments available are safe and effective. Around $6 billion or more will be spent to develop, produce, and stockpile vaccines and other drugs to counteract claimed bioterror agents. So, so as far back as 2004, they basically set this up, you see, back then. So they're all, all they're going through now is the routine. These guys, once they've set something down in paper, will never change their ways. They'll go step by step right through the whole thing. It says the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act slipped under the radar when George Bush signed it into law as part of the 2006 Defense Appropriations Act, H.R. 2863. It lets the HHS Secretary declare any disease, an epidemic, or national emergency requiring mandatory vaccinations. Isn't that beautiful? 
the land of the free? No. Nothing in the Act lists criteria that warrants a threat. Also, potential penalties aren't specified for those who balk, but very likely it include quarantine and possible fines. So, we're really, really on a roll, as I say, going through a formula, a predetermined formula, and these guys have all set it down in stages, and I don't know what would knock them off the pathway. I'll try and find the links to do with the last phony swine flu epidemic that never happened when they gave so many people the shots and hundreds of young people came down with Guillain-Barre syndrome and paralysis and destroyed neurons, attacked the nervous system. Often, as I say, it's these adjutants that they put into it to supposedly speed up the process of your own immune system taking over and emulating uh, or, or creating an antibody to this particular virus. That's how it's supposed to work. So these things that supposedly speed it up, what they do is attract more blood to the, to the site where you've been injected under the theory that more antibodies will come, find the other type, like in this case it's going to be the flu, it's along with it, the H1N1, and then copy that as well. The problem is, as I've found before, when they were using squalene, at one point, I don't know if they still are, they could very well be. Squalene has molecules in it which, which emulates molecules you have in your body, but only in certain joints in your body. So, it, so when, it's finished, when your antibodies have finished off killing off the squalene in your body, it looks for more. Where does it find it? Inside the synovial joints, and you come down with rheumatoid arthritis, and it attacks those joints for life. They don't like to tell you this stuff, do they? They really, really don't. There's aluminum oxide in it, too. There's a whole bunch of stuff they use for this. Never mind the fact they're using fetal tissue and all the rest of it. That used to be called cannibalism, taking someone else's... This might be eat it or inject it, and it's still cannibalism. And all the experts, as I say, work for these big corporations. What a sweet deal. And they're on the boards of governments getting two paychecks, like the one I read yesterday, last night, for Britain. That's really something, isn't it? And don't forget, I mean, we should all be paranoid because we've had the bigwigs on mainstream media for a long time now demanding to bring the populations down. Paranoia? You're damn right. You're damn right. There's an article here I want to get to as well to show you just how far these characters always go. And this article was back in July 15th, 2009. Mail Online from Britain. And for those who still have a memory and remember Dr. Kelly, who was coming to come out and expose a lot about the nonsense of Britain going to war with Iraq because of inside information. He worked inside government departments. He worked in the bacterial warfare departments in a joint project with Israel, Israel and Britain, where they worked on ethnic-specific diseases. And they found him, supposedly, with, his, with, with, with slashes on his arms in a forest. He predicted that would happen. You see, you'll find me in a forest before the trial hearing came up, the big one came up. And he was right. They did. They found him. Dr. Kelly did not commit suicide, insists 13 doctors. 
A group of doctors had demanded an inquest into the death of government scientist David Kelly, saying the verdict of suicide should be overturned. It comes as a documentary to be screened later this week, claiming Dr. Kelly may have been killed because he knew about secret germ warfare plans. Well, he did. That did come out in the media at the time. He was going to say exactly what it was. Then he was killed. Then a whole bunch of biowarfare scientists suddenly were committing suicide all over the planet. Says his body was found six years ago this week in woods near his Oxfordshire home, only days after it emerged he was the source of a BBC story which claimed evidence against Iraq for the war had been sexed up to justify invasion. No coroner's inquest was held into his death and the results of a post-mortem, as an autopsy, examination were never made public. <laughs> it's wonderful, eh? never made in public. But the Hutton Inquiry commissioned by Tony Blair concluded that the 59-year-old scientist died of blood loss after cutting his wrist with a blunt guarding knife. Now a team of 13 specialist doctors has questioned that verdict is yet cut to the wrist small and hard to access ulnar artery could not have caused death. The 12-page dossier concludes the bleeding from Dr. Kelly's ulnar artery is highly unlikely to have been so voluminous and rapid that it was a cause of death advise instructing solicitors to obtain an autopsy report so that the concerns of a group of properly invested or interested medical specialists can be answered. See, that's in the real world. If you know too much, at that guy's level, he did know too much. He was going to talk on mainstream and in court. That's what they do. They just kill you. They just kill you. Now they want to kill maybe millions. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix in this big world where we have an agenda on the go, a big agenda that kicked off really in 2001, in this phase of it at least, to go into this new world order that they keep talking about from the top, like Tony Blair talked about and Mr. Brown talked about. They're all calling it the new world order, where it's going to be an ordered society, a planned society with much reduced of a population across the world, of course. I wonder how they'll achieve that, apart from sterilizing us, which is already happening. Now, I'll go to the phones now, and there's Derek from New Hampshire. There, are you there, Derek? You're Alan? Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm hanging in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's, it's funny how they're never really quite satisfied with the, what they've already done to us. They, they, need to, they need to up it every step of the way. Yeah, yeah they do. Time. You see, they're on a timetable, and I'm not kidding. They have, they have their world meetings, all these different world meetings they have in exotic, exotic faraway places and stuff like that. And, they, and sometimes they'll publish their stuff, what they want, including uh, reducing the population. And they're always going on about too many people and projected populations in this country and that country. Uh, but they also know that we are being sterilized. They have those figures as well. Uh, but we're not dying fast enough for them. You see, they want to start up in the quota and bring us down fast the way it should be because it's a planned society and we're just animals anyway, according to them at the top. And they truly do believe that they have evolved and we're just the junk genes that have left behind. We're okay for industrial eras, but we're post-industrial. They don't need us anymore, so it's time to just get rid of us. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they'll use all hogwash to do it too. Yes. But um, what 
you're talking about, it, it reminds me of an uh, article I read back in uh, October of 2007. Back in, uh, in Arizona, they were having a vaccination drill. Uh, it was a drive-through vaccination drill where, you know, they were giving away a thousand free flu shots, and people were, you know, they were lining up to get their drive-through shots. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a that's a pretty easy way to do it. You know, we all travel by road. You know, yeah. if we if we get out of hand and you know don't don't gladly take our shots, which I'm, I'm sure many will. Oh yeah, and they were giving the free candy too. I think, weren't they? Oh, I don't know what they were doing. There's a, there's an article you can you can find it pretty easily if you just type in Arizona 2006. I think I even read it on the air at the time, because uh, yeah, I remember they were giving out free candy and so on like that uh, if you took your shot and and they did these pictures of smiling families in the car and so on. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's astonishing. But but yeah, they have been training the public for years now uh, to to just go and get your flu shot. But that last site, I say, if you look into that, that site with the PDFs, it tells you the statistics and so on, that literally every flu shot that's ever been given when it's been studied and, and looked back on, and they've got all their figures there, it's never done a bit of good at all. And it's, in fact, it's caused a lot of harm. But it's done no good. It hasn't prevented anybody from getting the flu. So, so this stuff is, is junk. I, I'm more concerned of, of what it does do to you uh, outside of the flu realm. What does it really do to you? And I know what it does to you. It does give you crippling diseases. Certain people will come down faster than others, according to your gene type. You know? And they know this at the top as well. Oh, yeah. And we know it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and they got the HDTV to probably help it along as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's working now. On, it's their world, you see. It's their world, and they just train the public. That's what... Uh, so many of the, the, the different authors I've quoted say, we train the public, and they do. They train the public. And uh, unfortunately, it works, you know. Nice talking to you, Alan. Thanks for calling. And from Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, where we had the first sunny day the whole summer. I think it's to rain tomorrow. So it's good night from Hamish, myself, and may your God or your gods go with you.